This is Hyperborean Radio Uncensored. I'm Celtic God, and he is the Lore Keeper. Hello, everybody. Hi. So, um, yeah. Hit me. <laughs> That's the best quote of 2022. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, go ahead and, uh, and flip out your bit straight out the gate. All right. So, we've been talking a lot about heathenry and paganism and how these aren't technically the same thing. And I don't. Basically, I'm going to just break it down for you. A pagan, by definition, is someone that is true to themselves, the, the ethnic way that sort of emanates from the people. That's why unbaptized children used to be called the little, pa- little pagans, and basically they were still a part of the overall, quote-unquote, pagan gods or the ethnic gods tied to the people. Then you have heathens, which basically means inhabiting open country or a country person, so someone that is part of the land, part of the community, that sort of thing. Yeah, basically it breaks down to heathen is, is rural, pagan is urban. Well, and I would actually describe, yes, uh, heathen as rural, but you could describe it also as being part of the land, mm-hmm. sort of being part of wherever you live. Like, it's an integral part of you. Right. Well, it's not necessarily that you're one or the other. But you can be both it's messy. It's like life. It's just messy. Well, everything overlaps everything a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's why it can get so confusing for when people kind of come into the way. Right. Well, and it doesn't if you're a pagan because you grew up in the city and you like the city. You know, I don't get it, but hey, whatever. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't preclude you. It doesn't mean that you can't go to the countryside and enjoy the countryside too. There's nothing in the rule book that says that. No, I, and I've it, checked three times. Well, and there's nothing <laughs> saying that, I don't know, you live in a, a village in Cornwall by the sea and you're very much attached to the sea and your village and your town and your people, but you like going into London or yes, insert you, other big. You like going English to London city. stand every now and then and seeing the, uh, the pickled potatoes or whatever the hell it is that they have there. Eel pie. They're gross. The shard. Or I, I don't know. London is basically, it's always in the Victorian age, and then everything past that was a disappointment. Yes. As an American, that is just that is just how London is. It just stops in the Victorian age. Yes, if it doesn't have Sherlock Holmes and like Frankenstein and all that fun stuff, it's not fun anymore. And there's this other concept that I've been trying to get people to understand, so I'm just going to come right out and say it. In heathenry or paganism, there is no room for religion, and that's where a lot of people are messing up. Well, They're trying to do a religion. It's more than that, and it's not that at all at the same time. Well, we've actually kind of run into that issue. People are like, is it a religion? And you're like, eh, kind of. Or uh, it's a philosophy. And then they think, oh, I can just incorporate that into my Christianity. And it's like, well, no. Here's the issue is you ask me if it's a philosophy or a religion, but it's more than that and less than it. And it's both, but neither. It's part of the issue is there isn't really a confining word, which is actually perfect. Because once you give something a name, a solid name that you can contain it in, then it is easily controlled, warped, and destroyed. Right. It's effectively being true to your true nature. This doesn't mean running off and doing whatever the fuck you want, being a horrible person, be like, well, I'm just following the way. No, you're not. You're following your way. No, that's some YOLO hip-hop nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's the same shit that hippies do. Yeah, it's, well, it, it I was into, just being myself... Who are you to tell me who to be or that sort of thing? It quickly turns into a bunch of people rationalizing being really shitty people and doing really shitty things. That is not at all what it is. There is a code of behavior, but it's also not. And and that's where things get messy. Well, part of it is we've gone over this before is we don't really have laws in a heathen or a pagan, so, so basically uh, people that follow the way, even if they don't quite realize it, it's effectively quote unquote lawless, but it is also extremely stringent in the rules, but the rules aren't written down. It's just everybody also knows what the rules are. Right. You just don't do that. And this actually brings us to the third point because we've talked about this before. We have three balance points. 
So there's the pagan, which is being true to yourself. There's heathen, which is kind of being one with the land, one with not in a holistic hippie way, but one with part of your community, a part of the land. You're not constantly fighting it. You're not cursing the sea and like pouring pollution in it like a Captain Planet villain. Right. No, you're you're working with it. You're working with the people. You're able to be true to yourself. Well, and quite often these people are taught that it's okay to do stupid shit like that. Well, it's like uh, they will rationalize it. Like they'll know this isn't the right thing to do, but then they rationalize it because I'm just being me. Well, and that's where I was getting to is the stories. Because we'll talk about the stories. We'll talk about the customs. We'll talk about all these things. The stories and customs are there so you can be more of the other two things. Mm -hmm. So you can get there faster. So you can understand things better. So that you can understand why you do what you do. And this might include family stories. It might include local folklore. There might be gods in there. There might be spirits. There might be famous heroes. Well, there's warnings in those very same stories as well. But to be a good heathen, to be a good pagan, you don't have to know them. No, they just help. Yeah, they just get you there quicker. And a lot of the research that we do, like currently right now as, as we're recording, it's the Easter holiday. And this is Easter tide. So it's still going to be Easter when you guys are listening to it or Easter's still coming or Easter went by because it's actually a time of the year as in based off from the, the animal actions, what the plants are doing, so on and so forth. The new life. Yes, that's the new life. But the reason why we will tell everybody about the goddess Easter, it isn't so that you paint the eggs and dedicate each egg to the goddess Easter just like the hare did and it has nothing to do with that. It's one, they're good, they're fun stories. But what it has to do with is arming you against the Christian that says, oh, so you're venerating Christ. No, no. Or uh, they'll often, this is one they'll usually play. It doesn't come up as often anymore. But, oh yeah, Easter, you mean Esther. Yeah. From the Bible. Right, and this way you're armed against that. And no, her name is Easter, just like the holiday. We still call it Easter. Well, and there's other religions that will try to get Easter away. So, like, the Christians will do Esther, or they'll be like, oh, that's just a made-up thing. Uh, There's Wiccans that like to try and pull. Well, she's Ishtar, even though there's no evidence whatsoever of this in any way, shape, or form. But it's because they need everything to match up. They need everything to be a religion. They're doing a religion. Religion is basically the thing that keeps you from doing the things that you would normally do. Well, and the people I've seen do Easter, for instance, the best way are the ones that know nothing about it. They don't even realize that it's that the Christians are trying to grab it and say that it's, well, Easter is actually Esther and it's the resurrection of Jesus. They don't know anything about that. They don't know about the God named Easter. They don't know that. They don't know any of the stories. They're just doing the thing and having fun and spending time with their family. They instinctively know it's a fertility festival. It's a celebration of the new life coming out of the earth. They instinctively know this. They, they're the ones doing it the best. The ones that mess it up, intentionally or not, are the ones doing a religion. Is it a religion? The answer is no, but it also is. Well, and what well, only in the sense that your people are the religion. Yes. Well, religion in the sense that most people mean it is a rigid thinking process. So, for instance, we, we went over this in the last podcast. The pagan view of a Christian story is to bring the figures from the Bible forward with us like we did our pagan gods. Mm-hmm. So like Daniel in medieval clothes, Moses in a business suit, whatever you're whatever you're working with there. The but the Christians went and did the opposite. They made sure that we weren't doing that anymore. So the stories become in the past. Mm-hmm. So we start thinking, okay, well, this story of David was thousands of years ago. So we have to depict him thousands of years ago. And then we start using that same mindset with our stories. Yeah. So well, quite basically to break it right down, religion is a box. Our people won't fit in a box. No, it's a problem. And if they try to just box it all in. Well, you end up with what you have now, where people are trying to create a hierarchy or they're trying to make one true God. And it all boils down to control. Right. Even if they're doing it on accident. Something that we've actually been accused of. Well, you guys are just trying to control everybody. How many other people are out there telling fathers, 
you you are the priest of your family. You are the spiritual leader of your family. Well, especially once you realize that priest and all the various names for it are either something to do with father. I mean, it's even one of the names for priest is father. But priest just means elder, which is why it's which is why the priest is supposed to be by, by what people think a priest is mm-hmm. wise and has all this knowledge and information and basically how people think an, a priest is, is what they want their elders to be. Right. They're imprinting the pagan conception on the Christian religion. Well, and another thing that we do is we present lots of lots, lots of customs, not just stories, but also customs, right? We're not saying that you have to do every one of these customs because these customs, while they're everywhere, they're also not everywhere. Like Easter egg hunts. It might not be for the people out there because I know that there's people out there. They're like, yeah, the Easter egg thing is fun, but I don't really feel I don't really jive with it. Maybe your people didn't have a lot of eggs in your area that that. So then you didn't do that. But you do have a thing about, I don't know, going out and trying to catch chickens, trying to catch frogs. Or, or they got the, the little piglet chase. So I've seen people do that in, uh, during Easter celebrations. Maybe that's what your family did. And people will feel, oh, man, I do, I, there's something wrong with me because I don't really like dyeing the eggs. Instead, I like to carve the eggs. Maybe that's what the people where you actually descend from did was they carved the eggs instead of painting the eggs. Maybe they didn't even have eggs. Maybe they went out and caught frogs or, or uh, bull rush, uh, dug up bulrush things, um, roots, you know, because there's all, it seems like there's always this catch or hide and seek type situation goes on with, with the spring celebration. You don't have to do Easter eggs. Well, and there's actually customs from like where you would think the Easter eggs would be big, like Germany, where there were fights and like uh, there, there are standing stones. They're gone now, but there used to be standing stones where the young boys from two towns would meet and they'd throw rocks at each other to race to the top of the standing mm-hmm. stones. Mock battles. Mock ba- there, there's all kinds of celebrations. You're not fucking broken. No, there are many different kinds, and there's nothing wrong with it. And here's the thing is, different areas would have different highlights of the periods. And it's not always the same holiday. Like, for instance, there's um, the Perchtenlauf uh, in the 6th of January, I think, is when it's been standardized. And that's in the Alps. And then you have Labafana, the Christmas witch, further down. These are two very different customs, but they happen on the same day. One in Italy and one... Northern Italy, Austria, that whole area. But it's not wrong to do one or the other. Right. It's just like there is nothing wrong with if you're of the Roman people or the Greek people well, let's or be whatever. Honest. It's impossible to do all of the customs. Oh, yeah. There's well, I, so many of them. You don't have to do them all. Find the ones that speak to you and your family and do those. It might be because there's certain areas where they don't do anything what other people would consider to be special instead of what they do on Easter is they bring out their boats and they scrape their boats and they paint their boats or they seal the boats up and, and then they'll, they'll, they'll dry them and then they take them out to a river or a lake and they go out rowing. And that's actually what they do. There are areas like that. Well, and there are areas where it's a big bonfire Yes, and it's some people Easter is like, Oh yeah, that happened. And then it's like Mayday, though, like Mayday. And it's because it's this whole season. It's the spring, the early summer, late winter season. And it goes on for a while. And you'll have a different major holiday depending on an area and what what is valuable. And sometimes it'll come down to something as simple as you're too far north for Easter to play a prominent role. So you kind of gloss over it. Right. And or or it's just in a different time of year, because that's another thing they've they've convinced everybody now is Easter. For some areas, Easter might not show up for another month. Well, Maybe two, well, if, and, if at all. Well, and then the, the pagans, a lot of pagans try to do the opposite, where they will take, uh, oh, it's not when the church says it is, it's the spring equinox. And if you're far enough south, it might be. Yeah. But for or most at least of that would people, that would herald the beginning of it, if you're far enough south. It really does. It depends on the weather. What are the animals doing? What is the weather? Well, and it's actually the easiest to... Well, actually, all of our holidays, the big ones, the big seasons, 
are easy enough to notice because you can feel it. You yeah. might call it something not in that crazy Wiccan way, but you can you can feel it. Oh yeah, you can talk to someone random and just like I don't know, it'd be the the 14th of October, and I'm like, oh man, it feels like Halloween now. And you talk to some rando at work or on the street, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, it's Halloween. I don't know why. It's like last year. Well, I've had the same conversation actually about Easter before, where Easter's done, come and gone, and I'm like. Now feels like feels like Easter. Feels like spring now. And they're like, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because Easter was months ago, but we could have it right now, and it would feel right. And this is a just completely random person, random conversation that started with, "Hello, how are you today?" Never met them before. Never meet them again. Well, one of the interesting things about customs, and people act like it removes the specialty of it, but no, it shouldn't. Like we'll bring up that. Easter eggs are probably descended of like egg foraging customs, which they still do in some rural right. areas or uh, the animals that appear. It's because you would eat the, the young animals that weren't healthy or you'd, those would be the easy ones to catch. And you don't necessarily want to kill the adults because then the baby dies anyway, too. Well, one of my favorite ones, um, I, I want to say it's from somewhere in England, but I, I'm sure it's in several areas. They used to do this right up until relatively recently, uh, and they probably still do in some areas, but go to the mounds and have picnics. Not necessarily sitting on the mound, but there'd be bunches of people. You, you can still see photographs of them where there's bunches of people around mounds having a picnic, and they're celebrating the, the spring. They're celebrating spring, so they're celebrating Easter. They might not have Easter egg hunts. They might literally just go out there and have a picnic. Everybody just does it. Nobody knows why, but everybody just decided on that day they're all going to go have a picnic at the mounds. Because doesn't that sound lovely? Well, and then this also brings us into, like, in Europe especially, there were a lot of places that were really sacred. Pilgrimages, uh, wells, burial sites, and all these uh, important trees, groves. And they would build churches and uh, Christian shrines specifically in those areas to catch the people that were going there anyway yeah, and to sort of appropriate it. So that feeling of something really important and magical that people will say about like this old burned out church with a yew tree. Yeah, there probably is something there. It's got less to do with the church and more to do with everything else around it reaching from before the church was there to what people did when it was there because usually there's a graveyard usually that's where people got married which is right where i was gonna go is the graveyards because um we recently watched watched the movie um i forget what it's called some something about fishermen anyways fishermen's friends yes and the the woman mentioned we've been going here for hundreds of years my family is buried here six generations that is legit. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It has nothing to do with that that building beyond the fact that's been standing there for six generations at least. It has to do with the family, the family connection to the land. That's that's the point in that situation. Well, and it's why you can end up with because this has always bugged me. Why are there? "Quote unquote pagans that are more Christian and Christians that are more pagan." Well, and I've it, had this conversation with some people, and they immediately try pulling out their rationalization card. And if you have to rationalize something, it's not right. Period. But they'll be like, "Oh, so you can be heathen and Christian at the same time?" No, you can't. There's no room for religion in heathenry or paganism. Well, and there's no room for religion, so you cannot be heathen or pagan and christian and hindu and anything there's no room for it no because it's too full already that there's just this broad landscape that you you could travel for the rest of your life and never get all the way across it well and it's part of the reason why like i've I've posted on this before the idea that these saints that come in and are very clearly placed atop an older god would somehow subsume the god is laughable. Mm-hmm. They always end up pretty much just a hollow shell with the god slowly eating them from the outside. When you have uh, saint whatevers that look basically like if you took a statue of Perchta and put her in a nun's habit, yeah, they're not really putting a lot of effort into this. And it's not that venerating the saint is pagan. 
it's that inevitably, when left to our own devices long enough, we're going to just drop the Christian stuff. It might take centuries, but our own nature, our own interaction with nature is going to erode it. That's why they fight so hard to get rid of it. That's why they tear down the trees. That's why they block us out of the mountains. They're scared of heathens. They're well, scared of why what, they make us shave our beards and cut our hair. Yeah. To emasculate us, effeminize us, masculinize and weaken the females. Mm -hmm. Cut off your manes, women. Get a, Yeah, get, show your strength. Cut off your mane. It, it's horrifying. It, it is. Well, and the religion is there to keep us thinking in a box because naturally our people are meritocratic, which is part of the reason we have a, a bend unlike a lot of the other races to uh, we follow we follow the leader we follow authority yeah. it's not because we're all though there's we're too many indians not enough chiefs it's because naturally meritocratic so if this person's in charge they've earned it if you walk into a, a, a job well, that's our assumption yeah. that's our naive assumption naive and stupid are not the same thing no i am extremely naive annoyingly so I know this about myself, so I try not to be. Sometimes I, because I'm a good hyperborean, I'm a creature of extremes. So then I end up going too far cynical. And yes. then being true to my nature, I end up working my way back to naive. But it doesn't mean stupid. No, it means it's almost a innocence. Yes. I, I, I want to take people at face value, the things that they say, the things that they're doing. I don't want to. I don't. It's not even don't want to. I don't even think about it. I well, don't assume that there's a, a, a what's that called? Um, a sinister reasoning behind it. No, you don't believe there's any wicked or malevolent reasoning behind certain things until you do. Right. So due to this naive nature, which is inherent to our people until it's trained right the fuck out of us. And then we become too cynical. But we see somebody in charge or they walk in and say, yes, I've been put in charge. Everybody's like, okay. And that's, that's all that they need. Well, and by thinking in a box, they play off of that. Mm -hmm. Because why would, you, why would a pack have the dumbest of the pack lead it? Yeah. Why would a military be led by, by a weakling or by a incompetence? Well, it doesn't make any sense. It's all meritocratic. It's like a kitchen. You don't put the most incompetent chef in charge. That person shouldn't even have the title of chef because it literally means chief. Yeah. The chef is the chief of the kitchen. And this is because some people will say, well, there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. No, 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 no. There's too many Indians, not enough chiefs. Yeah. Because if well, there because was a kitchen to use the kitchen analogy, they're all chefs that you got the, the chef, you got the sous chef, you got this other chef and it, who's in charge. Well, yes, you have a general over uh, uh, a general chief or a chef, but. He will also defer to the other chefs. So who's actually in charge? You got one guy that's responsible. Well, yeah, it's and like, he's probably the most well-rounded one, or at least should be. Or the most charismatic or something like that. Or sometimes it's as simple as the most famous or yeah. the most willing to do what it takes to get, that, get things done. But like the pastry chef, if you have a master pastry chef in a kitchen... The, the head of the kitchen might still be technically ranking above him, but all he does is maybe he'll ixnay like we can't do that because of this or that. But the pastry chef, the head pastry chef is in charge of the pastry, is yeah. in charge of dessert. You do not try to tell the pastry chef what to do. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's how it comes down. And it's not that everybody in the kitchen is a chef, but many of them can step up to the position. Well, and a lot of kitchens, like you start as a dishwasher, you can work your way up to being a cook. Oh, yes. If you have the I ability. I did that in one summer, which pissed a lot of people off. And yes, it was a five-star restaurant. I started off as a, as a cook. Well, and I, I just stepped in to help because it was shorthanded. And then really quickly, I went up through the ranks because the head chef was like, oh, wow, this person's willing to do this stuff. Well, and it's part of why our par our people are meritocratic. Yeah. So we assume if I do a good job and I work hard and I'm loyal, then I will move forward and I can do more and I can be stronger. And As a matter of fact, is that one chef that gave me some of my best advice for about leading. You don't have to be able to do everything. What you need to do is know the people that can and then bring them together. Well, it's like a, a, another example of a pirate crew or a fishing fleet. Mm -hmm. 
you might have the captain of the ship, and he might be the best all around, even if he started as the cabin boy. Right, but or, there's a better helmsman. There's a better navigator. There's a better... And he lets them do the things that they do better than him. Yes, it's because why in the world would you not put the most competent person that you have available in the position? It's like a band does not put their worst guitar player on guitar. They put their best guitar player on guitar. Mm -hmm. Unless there's someone of about equivalent, but the best guitar player is the best drummer. And they really need a good drummer. Right. Uh, Nothing is black and white. Everything is shades of green. And really, it, it, it just keeps coming back to there is no religion or no room for religion in heathenry or paganism. It is literally about our people. It is about who we are as a people, the things that we do naturally. Well, and it's not about making excuses. Well, and part of the reason I fight so vehemently against, for instance, the I'm going to call them what they are, which is Odinites, because they don't actually venerate Othan. They venerate some monotheistic conception Mm -hmm. of Othan is because not everybody is a devotee of Othan. Not everyone should or can be a devotee of Othan. That's not how Othan works. And the same is true of Wotan. The same is true of the Dogda. The same is true of Zeus. The same is true of Janus. Name recognition should not be one of the the points. No, and Othan is an important deity. Mm -hmm. And Thor is an important deity. But they're not necessarily the deity for that person or even that your entire tribe mm-hmm. because there's there are gods of like iberia the the spanish the portuguese and all the tribes well, there. what does thor have to do with fishing yeah what does thor have to do with fishing even though there's literally a story of him fishing he's not a god of fishing no he, he's a fisherman in the same way that your he's uncle- a fisherman in the same way that i am i know how but you don't want me la- leading the fishing troop no well it's like why would you put the landlubber in charge of sailing? Yeah. I mean, it's actually one of the things that our people bemoan the most is the incompetence of people in charge. People behind a desk telling a fleet how to sail doesn't work. Yes. And, and a lot of what we, we end up studying isn't to beat anybody over the head. It's not to say, oh, to do it right, you have to know all of this stuff. Or, and it's not to say, don't know anything. It's to set people free so that you, un- you can come to understand who it is that you are. Why on Easter do you feel weird? Because you want to go to a graveyard instead while everybody else is, is doing Easter eggs and Easter bunny. But you just want to go sit at your grandparents' grave and eat a sandwich and drink some tea or whatever. Or why in winter you're so tired. Like, we've brought this up before. We had a whole podcast Mm -hmm. about how our people are in winter that we're actually supposed to have a semi-hibernation provided we're in an area with a winter or at least more rest. Right. Well, I remember something else I was going to bring up is uh, a lot of people think that they, they be, uh, okay, a lot of people come up through Christianity or Christian adjacent and they think that they just have to outright reject their family because their family's Christian. There's going to be issues, but that's not at all what we're saying. No, we're saying you cannot. You're right. You cannot be Christian and heathen at the same time. But you don't have to cut yourself off from 600 years of ancestors that were Christian. What you what you do is my ancient ancestors were not Christian because it didn't exist. And then I had a period of time where my ancestors were Christian. For some reason, I again am not. This does not mean that my great 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 grandfather, who was Christian, is not my great 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 grandfather. I can still show respect, understand that I came through this line where many of my ancestors were Christian for one reason or another. You don't even have to pretend to understand why they were Christian. You don't have to make excuses for it, you don't have to make reasons for it. Just acknowledge that they were and that you no longer are. Well, it's one of the reasons that I've brought this up before. One of my favorite quotes is there may come a time, and I hope there is, where we are no longer Christian. But there will never again be a time where we were never Christian. It happened. It's like you get stabbed. You might not have any permanent damage but the scar. The scar will remain. The wound has to heal. But it doesn't mean that the wound defines you. Well, and we 
to be honest, long haul, we can't, we cannot afford to forget. No, we, we also ha- can't afford to forget what happens when people go to extreme ends of politics or ideologies or start chasing foreign ideologies or uh, this idea of universalism and holding hands and singing kumbaya with everybody and everything on the planet. We cannot forget this period of time. And I don't mean you and me. I mean Everyone. a thousand years from now. They need to look back and say, oh, shit, we cannot allow that to happen again. Yes, because this was a fucking shit show, and it needs to be remembered to avoid this exact same shit show. Let a different shit show happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remind them of Pat. Uh, we need to pass on the, the mistakes that we are aware of, as well as the glories that has happened along the way, like uh, um, fuck, Mad Jack. I think that's his name. Mad Jack. World War Two. The dude with the longbow and uh, the the. I can't sword. remember his name. I want to say Jack Sparrow, and I know that's not right. <laughs> that is definitely wrong. But you know who I'm talking about, and I'm sure somebody out there in the audience is like, it might be this ha- was his name, you fucking idiots. might be Harkness. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going through the Jacks in my head. Jack right. be nimble. Jack be quick. Jack but shoots anyways, your ass with a candlestick. We can herald that. He was most probably a Christian. I don't, I don't know because I haven't looked that far into him. I'm just like, oh, wow, World War II, and he took a longbow and a fucking Scottish broadsword fucking bravo that is and, and he became a hero we can remember those moments we can be like oh it's a shame that our people got fooled into doing this this and this under a foreign religion which is also a foreign ideology and we have to remember both and pass that on so that our descendants will remember it becomes part of the folklore of don't do this People will come in and be like, let me be thy father and follow me. You see somebody like that. Do not let that happen. No, don't let this concocted priesthood come back. Because he's, he's going to take power. He is going to push you into the mud. He is going to take everything from you and tell you that he's helping you. Just because the leash has a traditional pattern doesn't make it not a leash. So that that's... That's a big chunk of what it is that we actually do is we're trying to help people realize you're not broken. You're, you're not crazy. Have you developed bad, bad behavior problems or patterns? Probably. Well, it's like a dog. You take a or a wolf, even a wolf. Let's go with something that's proper wild. You take a wolf and you stick it in a cage and you don't let it out. Eventually it starts chewing off its own paws and having a freaking complex yeah it doesn't mean the wolf is broken but the wolf's got some issues it needs to work right and this doesn't even necessarily mean running off to therapy because i'm sure a lot of people has seen what happens with that for some people sure most people we don't need it what we need is a friend a well, family. We need people to do things with. We need, and we need to do things. Well, we need community. We need family. We need kin. We need tribe. We need purpose. We need a sense of place. And no uh, amount of therapy is going to ever replace that. You see what's happening because they've been trying to do that in like L.A., San Diego, New York City, Manhattan, whatever. We've seen the result of this therapy society. They get more and more broken. Well, it's because it's more and more money. Well, it's like, um, could you imagine the ludicrousness of that wolf I just mentioned or a circus bear? And instead of, you know, trying to get them to reacclimate, encouraging them to rewild, basically, just get true to their nature, your place in the cage, just accept your place in the cage or, or worse yet, put the put the bear, lie him out on a duvet and have someone just sitting there with a, a pen and paper and hipster glasses and going, how does that make you feel? Yes. Do, the, the, Let, the ludicrous. Let's explore your feelings. And, and none of the ones that where you want to run away because no, no, no. That, yeah. that's, well, that's bad. That's unhealthy. You need to stay in your cage. You need to keep performing. Yes. You know, all I know the while therapists the bear- fucking hate me. And all the while the bear and the wolf has no idea what's even going on. Mm-hmm. Why am I lying on the duvet? Well, I've had people be like, oh, well, what about serial killers? How would you help them? Well, first of all, how the fuck do therapists help them? Because most of them do go, have gone to therapy. 
significant therapy. Be- before they were caught, while they was doing all their serial killing. But fuck it, I identify one. I take them and I put them in a slaughterhouse. That's one option. The other one is a military position. You'd probably make a very good sniper. Or die. Yeah. One of the two. But it, either it, way, gets, it gets him out of the general populace so that he's not killing puppies. Right, and it feeds that, that thing that he needs touched or gives him... Either way, it, it puts him off to the side where he's less of, a, less of a danger. Besides that, I would have everybody armed. So there's that too. Oh, yeah. It's a lot harder to do that crap when everybody can stab you and empty your guts. Yes. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other options, but modernity wouldn't have you see them, would not have you embrace them. Well, it's because it demands the box. It's like our people like to dance around the rules. Mm-hmm. Well, and some people are broken. Well, there yeah. are just some cruel motherfuckers. Cruel and insane. And they were born that way. They were born broken. You can't help them. And there's some people that were made broken. Yes. Like the people that but are like, my name is general, Horace. We're not I'm broken. We're just, we're just taught that we are. Well, it's weird that, that you think that Easter is actually a celebration of fertility and has something to do with a magic bunny that lays Easter eggs. But it's okay for you to think that it's Zombie Jesus Day? Zombie Jesus Day. He, f- he died for your cinnamon. Yes, he died for your cinnamon. How is one actually any better than the other? But the atheists don't have it right either. Well, a lot of the atheists th- end up throwing everything away, which is they, actually... They throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, and the, the for atheists, people who don't believe in gods, belief in and, and something... And we're, th- we're talking specifically about um, the militant atheists. Yes, the militant atheists. Because there are atheists I've met where they don't believe in God or any god, but they'll believe in unicorns or fairy. Or mermaids. Or the inherent strength of man. Well, and that's the thing that actually makes it heathen mm-hmm. or pagan. Or the way is the belief in you and your people's own strength and power. Uh, some people would call a twisted version of this humanism, but it's not quite that. E- yeah, it's, it's part of the issue. Either. It's not a religion. There, There is no religion to this. And then it's like we've said, because I... The more I study, the more I... It's not even belief in the gods. It's less disbelief. Because I don't... I increasingly don't not believe in the gods. Which brings us to the bumblebee. Yeah. Why can the bumblebee fly? Mechanics, aerodynamics, everything about the bumblebee says the bumblebee can't fly. It's not that the bumblebee believes that he can fly. It's just nobody ever managed to convince him that he can't. Well, and... It's like us. Why can babies, like Hyperborean man cubs, learn to walk in, on two feet? It's because they see all the adults around them. Because you take that same man cub, you throw him to the wolves and have them raise the, the man cub into wolf man. Um, the bones will act- and uh, musculature will actually form so that he can run on four legs. Mm-hmm. So they become a four-footed animal. I mean, the choice is basically made where they've... They've adapted themselves to be four, four-legged rather than two-legged. They can still stand up. And there are cases of this that you can look up in like weird history science stuff. But their legs actually develop a different musculature from everybody else's. And it's more comfortable for them to run around on all fours. They still have the, th- the hands. They still do hand things with their hands. And they can run fast on all fours. Oh, yeah. I've seen videos like the woman. It's a, it's a Hyperborean woman. She's running like a freaking greyhound, and she can jump a whole picnic table. Yeah. It's insane. It's And why? Because they never got convinced that they couldn't do it. Well, and they also didn't get convinced that they could walk on two feet. Right. Well, because those, those same, and in particular, there's two girls. Um, it's in question, but we know that the two girls existed. We know that they were very wild. They could stand up. But they couldn't really walk on their hind legs when the, the people first found her or found them. They ran around on all fours, but they could stand up. They walked pretty much on their hind legs pretty much the way that a dog does. The musculature and the, the bones had developed differently in their legs from most humans. 
But eventually they did learn how to walk once they was captured and domesticated. Basically forced to. Yeah. Well, and we kind of know from legends of wood woeses and like the old history of heathens and stories of that. Yeah. Our default is not to run around on all fours, but we crawl before we run and we run before we can walk. We have to know that this is possible because if all you know is being on all fours, you don't necessarily believe that your front two are not for walking on. Right. Well, like I, I've even seen people with kids that will say, well, you got to walk before you run. I'm like, have you never seen a kid? They run, they before, run they, before they walk. They stand up. They might take one or two steps, but then they take off running. And they're like, oh, that's true. You do actually run before you walk. You might take one or two steps, but that's not actually walking. But for self-locomotion, it's almost always running before walking. I know that there's exceptions to the rule, but that's part of the part of the way is accepting. There are exceptions to the rule, but those exceptions only prove the rule. Well, and like we've talked about this before as well, you have to ease into it. And ease into it doesn't mean do nothing, let yourself turn into a literal potato mm -hmm. and eat a bunch of Cheetos on the couch or whatever. I mean, if you got a hard week and that's how you want to relax, fine, whatever. But don't do it till you basically inflate to a balloon. Basically... You ease into it, much like an athlete. An athlete doesn't tense their arm up to throw the ball. They make it as loose as possible. They allow it to be fluid. The same is true for all these other well, things. Well, and it takes practice. It does. Well, and like we've talked about in uh, Weirdcraft, things like realm walkers and storm callers. What if the only thing that defines a storm caller is, A, the, they have the innate ability to do it, and they were never told they couldn't? Yeah. So they just d eventually found out they could. Or realm walkers, same thing. Or seers, same thing. And it, it's all just because they never didn't believe they could. So there's a disbelief element. And that's part of what the stories are useful for. Seers are very, very rare. But they do happen. Same with storm callers. Well, and here's the other thing. One is not better than the other. The, it doesn't matter if you can just... Okay, let's pretend everybody is telling 100% the truth that's, that claim that they have all these weird abilities, right? I can call storms. I talk to the dead all the time. I, I weird walk to other realms and I talk to the fairy. And let's pretend 100% that across the board, everybody that claims that is telling 100% the truth. There's no, no seeking of status in this. They are no better than the person that can't. Well, and here's the thing. There is no status in that way. It's just a thing that they can do. Well, and because it's so intangible, because most people can't, basically it turns into you have to sacrifice something else. You have to sacrifice wood carving. You have to sacrifice the ability to write or speak eloquently. You have to sacrifice getting good at fishing, spending time with your family to develop these skills if you have them. It's much like not everyone's going to be a piano grandmaster mm -hmm. or be able to compose symphonies and concertos. Not everyone's going to be able to do those things. Even if they invest so much time into it, it's just not in them. They can't do it. Well, I've made, uh, I've made some people, both online and in real life, angry with me because they talk about how they want to become a priest and they want to help spiritually guide people and so on and so forth. I'm like, yes, you should do that. Have a large family and raise your children well because that's not what they mean. No, 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 that is not what they mean. What they want is basically to tell other people how to live their lives and have them pay him. Usually it's males. Have him pay or have them pay him to tell them how to spiritually grow. We don't have those things. It's not my place to tell you your spiritual path. Well, and and you, you must give sacrifice. Sacrifice is important to the heathen people. So therefore you must sacrifice to me. And every third Wednesday, you have to give me 20 bucks. Well, and it's... It so is, you can get to the afterlife and go to the hall of your choice. Yeah, for Valhalla, just nine, nine, nine yeah. a month. It's not my place to do that. It is your place as an adult male to do that. Or your father figure or an elder that... A mentor... It, I understand right now life is all sorts of messed up, but if we keep doing what was done that got us to this point, it's not going to get any better. 
these Gothis, these priests, these religion people. It needs to stop. It needs to fucking stop. Well, and people need to stop thinking there's going to be a holy book. The reason there is so much stories is because there is. Every area, every town, every family, every individual has these stories that they've inherited that continue this line. And it helps you be a better person, which in the end is what a pagan and a heathen is. It's just true to yourself and true to your community and a part of your community and your land and your people. Mm -hmm. These are what those things are. They're not synonyms. They are different. One is not better than the other. But they're different elements of this. And then the stories just help you be better at those things. Right. Well, and there, there's a couple of families I follow online, and they're, they're doing it right, I guess, where the fathers are taking the lead. The mothers are being the glue, but they also aren't making excuses for the offspring. They are, this is the expectations you will meet these expectations to the best, the absolute best of your ability. And they're gluing the family together. The father is leading them. That, that's the right way to do it. Well, and it's like you're following them on YouTube and whatever's, and it's, there is a reason these roles are made, and there's a reason there are different rites of passages. There's a reason why they're co-opted uh, co by these religions. Yes, why like baptism, for instance, because there were baptisms in Europe, or what you could call baptism as a category, but they weren't all water. In fact, not a lot of them were water, and the way they were done is so different that even though they're also water-based, it's just... Well, I can think of like six different versions of it that doesn't even involve water. Yeah, like there's one of... Uh, in Greece being wrapped in a fleece. Another involves being in Poland. There was being passed through the wolf skin, like being born of the great she wolf. There's ones where you pass the baby through a stone with a, with a hole in it. There's one where you pass them through trees and then you close the tree back or up. hold them up before fires. There's a lot of these. And then there's customs where the baby is named right away. And then there's other customs where you wait a year. Before the child gets a name. And it can be for a variety of reasons, depending on the tribe. Like, it might be because you want to make sure the kid survives. Or it could be like, because, oh, well, I want to know what their personality is before I give them a name. Because if I give them an ill-fitting name... It becomes a curse rather than a boon. Well, and then our people, even if they become Christian, provided they don't become these hyper-Christian, the, the pagan and the heathen has a way of kind of leaking through because it's so innate like mm -hmm. i'll use a, a someone i know my mother she's a fey worshiper she doesn't realize it but i can tell by what she likes what she does how she thinks and everything about her she's a fey worshiper she collects all the little fairy statues and angel statues based on fey she's obsessed with stories of like fairy tale creatures and stuff like that and she'll claim to be christian but then she can't stand Christian crud, and then she spends all of her time... It avoids the Christian crud. Oh, yeah. And then she'll spend all of her time on werewolves and vampires and fairies and goblins and all that fantasy stuff. And then personality-wise, action-wise, you can tell, like, without Christianity, that's probably where she'd end up. Well, in fantasy, it doesn't mean made up. No. It's a fantastic story. Well, and it's based on our lore. Yeah. And granted, it got kind of... The last hundred years was great for uh, fantasy I think that literature. I mentioned that in the last podcast that we did, didn't Oh, yeah, and we had a whole podcast about it, fantasy. Fantasy is just the continuation of the story. But what happened was there were several, in the last hundred years or so, several really big fantasy storylines. You got, like, the Chronicles of Narnia. You got Harry Potter. You got Lord of the Rings. You got Elric and Conan. And these are all great stories, but they ended up twisting the lore, unfortunately, so that we have a really great fictional setting that's based about 80% off the lore. But then people run off with goblins or evil green-skinned cave dwellers mm -hmm. and elves or pointy-eared things that are really good with bows and arrows. And it's like, that's the fantasy element. But there is an actual figure like that in our lore, and it's different. Like, how many people know that goblins are smiths? And it'll still show up. Or mm -hmm. like crafters or whatever. It still shows up in the the modern day fantasy movies, 
but most people don't realize it. They think they're just mindless creatures that kill. Right, which is, I'm going to do a self-plug, but that's where our website comes in, is we are telling a fictional story. There is going to be fantastic elements in there, but there's also going to be real lore. It's just going to be a slightly separate spot. But if we show a troll in our fictional world, it's going to be everything about it is going to be based off from a troll, uh, from a traditional folklore troll. If we show a, a boggart, it's going to be an actual boggart. You'll be, the actual folklore is going to be reflected there. We're not going to show a fairy and call it an elf. We're not going to show a gnome and call it a, uh, a dwarf. We're not going to show, I don't even know what the hell most people think of as goblins, but when we show a goblin, it's going to be a folkloric accurate goblin. Well, ogres, trolls, I mean, like trolls, for instance, and then this is the other thing, is things are so varied. And they're not monsters. No, like trolls, like there's the elemental trolls, which are really good hiders. Like you could walk right past a troll and never know what's there. There's also other kinds of trolls that are basically giants, and then there's some that are basically people. And then there's trolls that are little tiny ones that I think are uh, called troblins for fun, but they're not. That's not their actual name. That's like a, a funny term for the Ameri- for the mm. English speakers. But they're really tiny. They're closer to like gnomes or brownies. Right. It's there's a variety, and they're all trolls, but they're all different trolls. And then like some trolls will show up somewhere else. Like in the Gaelic lands, the elemental trolls are more popular. But you go to Scandinavia, they have the elemental trolls, but they're also big on, like, the more human-esque trolls. Well, we're getting close to the end. we got a few, few minutes left. But um, for anybody that made it this far, I know... Okay, here, here's, here's one thing. I know a lot of the people that dropped off was because I kept saying there's no room for religion and heathenry. That doesn't mean that there's no room for ceremony. That doesn't mean that there's no room for ritual. You have a ritual every morning, whether you realize it or not. Your ritual might be get out of bed, stretch, stand up, go to the bathroom, go to the kitchen, turn on some coffee, get the specific mug or this one of several specific mugs. And then you walk to the window and you take a sip and ah, as you look out, Side looking at, I don't know, a majestic sunrise. Whatever the fuck it is, you do rituals every day. We have ceremonies all the time. When two people mate, we'll have a ceremony. It doesn't have to be over-the-top religiosity for these ceremonies. A naming day. We don't need the religiosity for ceremonies and rituals. We just do them. It's the things that we just do. The ceremony, the celebration of Easter. It doesn't have to have all this religiosity in it. As a matter of fact, religiosity makes it not fun. It robs it of its power. Yeah. It makes it not fun. It makes you not want to do it because, oh, man, we got to stand here and listen to this guy blather on about Easter or Oily Josh, whichever one, for 20 minutes. Well, and here's the thing is, Like I brought up the old churches, the least important thing about the church is the religious aspects, Mm -hmm. everything else around it. It's a building with importance because of everything else. The religion just co-opted it and co-opted the customs and all these other things. And here's the thing is whatever the custom, even if it's literally named after the God, like Easter or Lugazat, I can't remember. I can't pronounce Gaelic Mm -hmm. words, but Lug's day, basically. It's not about the God, even if it's literally named the God. Like you have a giant feast for Yule or for Easter or for Midsummer, Fourth of July, whatever. You might actually set an extra spot for the God and no one else sits there. It's for the God. Or it might be for someone who shows up and wants a bite to eat and they're hungry. But you set the extra. As a matter of fact, I know why you brought that up. It's because I told you that's how my family would do these these sorts of things. Oh, people do it all the time. There's it's all over the folklore. And what it is is, if say there's twenty of us, we set twenty one places, but there's only twenty of us. The twenty first place. Oh, okay, I get it. That's for the god. But number twenty one person shows up. They take the place of the god. They sit there and eat. That's their plate. It was set for them. Well, now 
hold on. Uh, let's say the 21st person doesn't show up. Just the 20 people. Well, you got the one plate still with food. What do you do with that food? Everybody can pick off from that plate because we are all taking the place of the God that that was set for. It is not ritualistic in the way that a religion would have you believe it. Well, it's like uh, up north. There were customs of painting a spy, uh, an eternal spiral on a pregnant woman's belly mm-hmm. to encourage a yeah, reincarnation. Very Christian. It was yeah. a very Christian. Uh, or leaving uh, out three sewing things or carving things yeah, all, for all the three sisters. All kinds of Christians did these things. Or the black pups that get delivered on Yuletide and no one knows where they're from. Yeah. And so at, these, these people, they were very bad Christians, very good heathens. Yes. And the things that they're doing, they're customary, but they're not doing them for a religious reason. No, they're doing it for the people. The gods are always invited to participate, whether it's a, uh, a baptism, a birthday, a major holiday, a wedding. They're always invited, so long as we make them feel welcome. It's like Halloween. We don't wear the masks or light the lanterns to scare the spirits away. Mm-hmm. We do it to show that they're welcome. Well, and... Like with the three needles and and three bobbins that I told you about. They set these out for, uh, some people will call them the fates or the the weird sisters or there's a bunch of different names. The good women, the norms, etc. They'll use a variety of names for who these people are. And they set out the three needles. All three needles are different. All three colors of the thread are different. Oh, but... So then they just sit there forever until they rot away because it's, it's for these gods, right? Or they're put on an altar and left there until they collect dust and become meaningless, right? No, 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 no. When this is done in conjunction with the birth of a child, they sit there until the child is basically presented. It's just part of the custom. I don't know why. It's just something that they did locally. So I don't know how substantiated this is by stuff in Europe, but it seems most things are. But when... After the child presented, the child has a box. These things go into the child's box. It's, uh, what's that other thing? Um, it's a custom that mostly died out. It's like a wishing box or uh It's basically a box of things for the child to grow into. It's a treasure chest for the child. Yeah, it can be uh, knives. It can be clothes. It can it be blankets or sewing things, equipment. Things that are collected for them ritualistically over a lifetime these things go into that box until they become an adult. These are gifts for them as well as for the gods. It's basically if I give a child a hammer. I know the child ain't going to be using this hammer, but there's a uh, governor. Bless this hammer so that he can create things because I give him a, a claw hammer, so it's not a war hammer. Or maybe a war god blesses it. And it for becomes war. a war hammer. Yeah, it becomes a war hammer. Either way, this is, I guess, kind of, it's taking the, it's offering the thing to the God for the child. Does well, that make sense? Well, the three, the th- yeah, it does. And it's like the three sewing things. There's a t- custom of the three women, whether it's the fates, the norns, the, the Moira, whatever. They will show up and they'll give three gifts. Sometimes they're boons, sometimes they're banes. And they're of massive range. Everything from being well endowed to being able to hold your drink well to never knowing when to shut up. And that can get you into trouble and it can get you successful. You know, it's it's like the fairy godmothers in uh in uh what's it called? The the three good fairies of sleeping beauty. Yes. They they took yeah. that from that. And thing is is we're still welcoming the ancestors in and the gods for every holiday. They're all over, like people with the gnomes, with the Easter eggs and the pumpkins, and they're showing up all the time. These are house spirits. Same with bear cubs, same with even angel statues, because those angels aren't angels. Right, and um, you're actually getting to the point where you believe in the gods more, but it's not that you're believing in the gods more. The more research you do, the less that you're disbelieving in them. Yeah, it's like if, if all of a sudden I'm walking to the corner store, and Masha's cabin shows up. It's like, oh, that's neat. Yeah. Or am I supposed to go in? I don't know. <laughs> I'd be torn. I'd be like, oh, I could meet Masha, but I could meet Masha. All right. So it, it's 
it's a big and wonderful world and the things that we present to you guys it's not because you have to know all the the academic details to be a good heathen to be a good pagan no all you have to do is be be noble be brave be who you are and actually I the want the best it. version of yourself. Yes, and here's the thing is once you know enough to defend yourself against the Christians and settle into being a pagan or being a heathen or being a pagan heathen the way. Right. Then you're good. You don't need to learn everything. The reason we research like crazy is because we're trying to help as many people as we can get back to be their, their own sovereignty, their own strength, courage and wisdom. Mm-hmm. We want them to have that again. And like I'll actually use an example that some people might know. You can look this up. It's um, a story from Richard Hammond of Top Gear. Okay. Uh, oh, that one, yes. Where he almost died. And he tells this story about how when he was dying and his, his wife was screaming at him, he walked past this tree that he knows because he's so he knows the land that he loves so much that he is that it brought him great comfort to walk past this tree, even though like he kind of implied that he kind of expects it to have been after he walked past this, if he hadn't come back when he heard when his wife was screaming at him, when he was basically in a coma, that he was walking into oblivion and it brought him such comfort, such joy to know that he was this tied to the land. He loves his people so much and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a heathen. I don't care what he is officially. Him saying that, he's a heathen. Whether he likes it or not. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're, we've definitely hit that time. So I hope that you guys learned something, had fun, maybe yelled ass a little bit for not knowing what we're talking about. Either way, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you guys showed up. I hope that you guys share us because that is exactly how we grow. And uh, we'll see you guys next week, I believe it is. And I'll just say, be true, everybody.